People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. This is People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. It's so exciting to be doing a broadcast from our new studios here at Bayachad. And uh, straight into books, we have a good old friend of High FM People of the Book here with us in studio. Viz Chetty from Penguin Random House and uh, Viz, I saw Viz during the week at a Penguin Random House media event looking at their great titles for the rest of the year. Great excitement. I was, it was a great event. Great, great to be there and share the excitement with the company itself and with your MD Steve, uh, from, uh, came, came from Cape Town. And, uh, you've forwarded on to me a list of books that are going to be available very soon if not available already. Yes. A big long list. So I've introduced you, and let's jump into the list. Okay, thank you, thank you, Stephen, for having me again. It's always a pleasure to be here. Um, I've got a nice long list. Um, the first one, going to jump right into it, is uh, Nightfall Berlin by Jack Grimwood. Uh, you might have readers out there that have read Moskva, which was the first book. Uh, our main character in this book, uh, Major Tom Fox, he's actually on holiday, and while he's on holiday. Um, He's contacted by his authorities to bring an old defector back uh, across because this guy during the war betrayed the country and now he's been in hiding for many, many, many years. And he now wants to come back and stand trial and basically own up to what he's done. Uh, but there's more to this whole story that Jack um, has be, that Tom has been led to believe. So he um, gets in, this, the case goes completely sideways as he's bringing this guy across. Uh, so it's a really good uh, Cold War spy thriller. Really, really good one. If you haven't read Moskva, that's fine. You can still pick it up on this. It's just the same character returning in this adventure. Uh, but yeah, Jack Grimwood's a great author. But it stands alone. It does stand alone. I don't alone, know if yeah. you know, but Jack Grimwood used to write science fiction as well. Yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's science fiction to Cold to War, Cold War spy. Spy. Yeah, so it's, it's good when, they, when there's a departure by these authors sometimes. You know, they, it's refreshing. Uh, so yeah, really, really good one there if you, if you like that sort of book. Um, the next one is Those Other Women by Nicola Moriarty. It, uh, it's very lighthearted. It's really sweet as well. Uh, it's about these two young women who work for this big corporate company and um, they get a little tired of women who go and leave uh, their maternity leave they have the baby, they come back, and then they claim to have more flexibility, and you know they're hardly in the office anymore. So these two young ladies think it's you know it's really frustrating, it's not fair because they don't really want to have children or have a family. So they decide to start a Facebook group uh, for for people like themselves. Problem is, there's women who do have family and do have kids that join the group, and that's where the tension starts up. So it's really funny. Uh, she has done a few before this. It was more domestic thriller. This one's a little bit more lighthearted than that. Um, but yeah, I think there's good things to come from Nicola Moriarty as well. Perfect for book clubs. Perfect for book clubs. Lots of talking points on this one. It's really funny and sweet. Wherever I've uh, sold this book or wherever I've introduced it to our readers at Coffee Mornings, they all seem to seem to uh, like the plot line of it. Um, the next one is a local title, John Hunt. I don't know if you've met him before, uh, but he did a book a while ago called The Space Between the Space Between, which is a fantastic book. Um, so this one, The Boy Who, Who Could Keep a Swan in His Head, uh, it's about a little boy named Finn, P-H-E-N. The story is set in 1970s Hillbrow, so it's a totally different Johannesburg from what we know Hillbrow to be now. And... Finn is a very different boy. He sits at home. He doesn't go out much and play plays with the other boys um, of of his age. So what he does is he stays indoors and he gets imaginative and he reads a lot of books. And his father's very ill, so he l- usually would read to his father. And the whole premise of the book is about... It's actually about books. It's about how books can transport you to different places and open up your world to different things just through imagination. And, but it's also about letting go. It's about family. Um, and so it's a wonderful book by John Hunt. It is in stores now. So if you go into any bookstore, you should be able to find it. What, what genre would you put it in? Literary? Oh, it's not as literary as I thought it would be. It reads really well. Um, I would put it into... Uh, you wouldn't even say <laughs> it's because it's in the 70s. So you can t- I would just normally look at it in the norm- normal fiction, but it's a bit historical in the fact that it's South Africa, 1974, very different time. Uh, that alone, when you read about what 
like how he described South Africa back then, because he lived there. He actually lived there. Uh, he puts you right in that space and that time in South Africa, which is quite wonderful. Uh, if you go online, there are some extracts from the book as well, which you can find and read. And when I read it, it was just, I thought it was just amazing too. And even though I didn't live in that time, it sounded great. Yeah. Um, all the books that Viz is talking about, I'm in the process of posting them all on our Facebook page with pictures from the covers. Mm -hmm. So you can find out more about the titles. You can see what the book looks like. So when you go to the bookshop, it's instant recognition. <laughs> and hopefully it'll make like a love at first sight between you and a book yeah. that Viz is talking about. Yes, yes, yes. And the next one is a huge book for us. I mean, Penguin Random House, this is such a huge publishing event for us. We're very proud to be a part of this of this project uh, and to bring it out. We had a huge launch uh, two nights ago at the Constitution Hall where we had various people coming in from the Mandela family. The book is called The Prison Letters of Nelson Mandela, 250 selected letters uh, from Mr. Mandela back and forth. So, so it's people that he's written to, his wife, his grandchildren, his children, um, people in the prisons, um, his friends, Ahmed Kathrada, you know, all the, all the great, great guys who fought alongside him um, and also back. So the, the, what, what would happen is uh, you'd have a letter, but before that letter, there'd be a nice backstory telling you, okay, this is why this letter was written. And it's 250 letters giving you a real insight into what he was, what he went through, um, all the terrible things that he had to deal with. Um, you know, because I remember at the launch, Sam Fenter went, uh, she said, she told us the story about how they went to Robben Island with him uh, just after he was released. It was herself and, a, and a, quite a few other journalists. And they go to Robben Island and they go to the prison cell. And she said there couldn't be like more than five or six people in the cell. It was so tiny at a time. So she got into the cell and she was with him and she asked him, what did you do? in this cell from half past three every day. You know, what did you actually do? He said, well, I wrote and I, I wrote letters and I read books. That's all I did, you know. And so it's powerful, powerful look into his mind and what he went through because at the end of the day, he was a family man. I think we all forget that sometimes, that at first he was a family man before anything else. And this was a little insight into psychologically what he had to go through and what he had to forgive in the end, which was, you know, something really, really huge. Um, so, yeah. This year there's a lot of Mandela books coming out yes. because it's the centenary of his birth. Yes. yes. One of the things that was mentioned on Tuesday night is that this is the only Mandela book that is his own words. Absolutely. So I think that's an important point to make. This yeah. is Absolutely. the prison letters of Nelson Mandela and yeah. it's his own words. Yeah. You're going to get... Lots of books on the shelf are gonna gets gonna be about him, and they're gonna be good books too. But uh, there's very the only other book uh, by him was Long Walk to Freedom, you know, in his own words. I mean, some of the letters are really hard to read because he was so helpless and so frustrated in there um, that it came out in the letters, you know. Um, so yeah, I think it's a really good insight into this wonderful man, and uh, it'll be in, you'll see it everywhere. So you're not going to be able to miss this book. I think Carte Blanche has a special uh, this weekend, and we're going to mention this book as well there. Right, and then the next one, uh, A Sister in My House by Linda Olson. Uh, she did a book before this called Astrid and Veronica. Quite a few readers uh, out there know of her from that book. Um, so this is about two sisters who come back home to Spain after many, many years. The last time they were there together was two years ago. Their mother had passed away. So what happens is they've now come back home, uh, and it's it's them reconnecting again because uh, they'd lost touch over the years, and their lives went into completely different directions. So it's about them reconnecting in their childhood home. Uh, again, great for book clubs. You can suggest it, and you'd love it. The writing is absolutely impeccable, uh, and that's A Sister in My House by Linda Olson. We'll be back with more books from Viz. We're going through a quite a long list. <laughs> Straight after this ad break, uh, great books we've already mentioned. We'll quickly recap them when we come back from the ad break. And then we have even more great books to look out for. People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. This is People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. We're talking books and we're talking with Viz Chetty from Penguin Random House. Viz has been a long time guest here on the show. He's as an avid reader and he, he knows his books well. We are about halfway through a list of great highlights, but they are really great highlights. Everything that Viz is mentioning will be posted on Facebook shortly. So if you are in the car and you missed the first part of the show or you're about to get out and you don't want to miss the rest of his list, just go to 
Facebook, search for People of the Book on 101.9 High FM, and the full list of books will be there. Over to you. Thank you. Uh, the next one is Exhibit Alexandra by Natasha Bell. She's a brand new author, so this is her debut fiction. Uh, we're expecting really big things from her. This book, if there's anything to go by, I think she's going to be an author to look out for. Uh, so the book is called Exhibit Alexandra, and it's about a performance artist by the name of Alexandra Southwood. Uh, so when you pick this book up, think Gillian Flynn's Gone Girl. Uh, so it's in that sort of vein. Uh, she's a performance artist, and she's gone missing. She's telling you this is what's happened since she's gone missing. She's in a room, and she can almost see exactly how what the events are at home. Her husband is unraveling, um, and very soon from a missing person's case, it goes on to become a murder case after they find her bloody uh, uh, clothes in a little stream. So the husband becomes a suspect and the chapters will skip between him and her. And the good thing about this book and what I found interesting about it was the fact that you kind of have an idea where it's going to go and end. Like with most thrillers, you sort of come to a point where you go, okay, I know who's the killer. Oh, I know who's done this. Um, But this one, I read in about 90% of the way through and then you sort of realize, no, you actually don't know what this twist is actually going to be here. You don't know there's a twist coming even except now the fact that I'm telling you. But there is a great twist at the end, so stick with it. Uh, It's beautifully written, really, really well written for a debut. I think, yeah, she's going to be one of our bigger authors in the years to come. Um, And then the next one, The Girl Who Smiled Beads by Clementine Wamaria. She is... Uh, a Rwandan um, expat, she now lives in America, in San Francisco. She's had a really, really rough, rough, rough childhood and a life. She lived through the, the genocide in Rwanda, and she was moved around as a refugee from, you know, between countries. So when she was young, before she turned 18, she was uh, she lived in seven African countries. You know, so it's an amazing... In- including South Africa. She spent time yes. in South Africa as yes, well. Yes, she was here as well. So she moved. She was moved around and uh, she was split from her f- from her mother and father very, very at a very young age. Uh, she experienced immense, immense uh, cruelty, but also uh, kindness from strangers. So um, it's an incredible story. Uh, she was actually featured on an Oprah show as well, where Oprah got her family members and reunited them, which was a really, really epic thing to watch. If you, if you put, it up, put it up on YouTube, You'll find it. I think a lot of people will recognize the the story from that Oprah show. Yes, and yes, yes, yes. and she's very famous around the world today as a as an advocate for refugees. Yes, and she's the the. The book's beautifully written. She does have a Absolutely. great talent. Absolutely, yeah. So it's her memoir, and it's an incredible, incredible story of resilience and f- hope and faith. So I think it's really, really good. Um, you know, and if you look at, even on YouTube, if you go up and you find she's done various TED Talks as well on this. And like you say, she's now an advocate for people who are forced out of their countries. So um, lots of books on the Rwandan genocide, very few books on people who have gone through it and survived it like she has. Um, so I would highly recommend this. If you like autobiographies, memoirs, this is you have to read this book this year. I have to say that you've had a number of really good memoirs written by women this year, and yeah. a Random House had um, Educator Batara Westover, yes. which I, I'm, oh, wow. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the right opportunity to talk about it on the radio. Okay. I've mentioned it already, yeah. but I think I'm going to do memoirs and I'll, I'll mention Educated Batara and yeah. then the, the Girl Who Smiled Beads as well, because these are two very, very powerful women's memoirs. Yes, especially really powerful stories. Yes, absolutely. And then we've got the, the massive one coming about Michelle Obama's book, which was such a pu- big publicity event when it was announced that we'd got it. Um, I mean, we'll talk about it at a later stage, but that's... But you can mention it now because yeah. I think it's going to be the publishing event for the second half of the year, absolutely. the Michelle Obama book. Yes, that's going to be in November. The book is called Becoming, uh, and it's all about... Um, did you know that she has four million more followers on, on her f- Instagram than her husband? She's more popular than Barack. <laughs> and when she announced that the book is going to be, she put a picture of the cover on the book and she got 3,000 likes per second, per second for that. It was an incredible thing. So I think, um, yeah, I think she's go- it's going to be a great book to learn more about Michelle, her philosophy and her values and also the stuff, the work that she's done along the years. So also being in the White House for eight years, what was that like? So she's an incredible human being and I think that's going to be a good one too. Um, The next one is Snap by Belinda Bauer. 
I was introduced by Belinda Bauer when I just started with Penguin. Someone gave me a copy of The Beautiful Dead, uh, which was a really good thriller. And I hadn't read many good thrillers up until... I mean, at that point, I was not reading many thrillers, and they gave me this book, and I was like, wow, she, this is brilliant. So I'm glad that she's back. The book is called Snap. Um, it's about a little boy named Jack and his two younger sisters. Um, their mother gets murdered, and they they don't find the killer. So it's a serial killer that's operating, and they the killer's never been found. Now, the mother gets killed. Uh, three years later, the father, who cannot handle all this emotionally, uh, up and bails. So he up and leaves, and the kids are all alone. So Jack becomes a caregiver to his younger sisters, and the only way he can do it is if he breaks into people's houses and steals food. So he steals his food, um, and he gets back home, and he goes into people's houses when they are not there. So the media gives him the nickname, the Goldilocks burglar. (laughs) So one day, he breaks into this this lady's house and funny enough she's actually in the house and she's asleep but what he sees on the side of her bed is a knife and a little note from this killer that says I could have killed you and and when he looks at the knife he recognizes it right and somehow he gets involved in this case for tracking this guy because now it's personal to him and you'd also like the main characters the other main characters in the book which are two detectives they're partners and they work together to find this guy so it's really fast-paced crime thriller uh, you'd really connect with the characters the children in the book it's really a quite quite a good read as well and the next one Michael Andachi uh, Warlight I was trying to figure out how do you pronounce his name so I was looking it up and I realized it is Andachi you said to me earlier that it has been uh, given he- he, he was um, awarded this week this the week. Golden Booker Prize. Yep. So the Booker Prize is in its 50th year, wow. and the, 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 the organizers decided to have the Golden Booker. Yep. And there were five judges, each read the 10 Booker's prize-winning books from a set decade. Wow. They chose their, their best. Okay. And then the public was asked to then vote on those top five. Right. And then the 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 winner was announced this week, and it was Michael Ondaatje's book, The English Patient, which won in the nine. I think it was in the nineteen nineties. Yes. And so he is the winner of the Golden Booker Prize. Wow. And I think a lot of people have read The English Patient or they've seen the movie. Yeah. So now, if you want to be up to date and read the latest book by the Golden Man Booker Prize <laughs> winner, then we've got the book for you. It's going to be discussed by this straight after this ad break. So that's the run-up to Warlight by Michael on Dodge. People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. This is People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. We're talking books. We're talking really great titles that are either out now or will be out very soon. I've just given the latest developments in the Man Booker Golden Award, which was given to the English patient. The author is Michael Ondaatje, but he's got a new book out. So instead of going back to the old list, or you can, but if you want to be up to date with Michael, this is the book that you have to look out for. And it's Warlight. Um, it's an amazing book. You you can't miss this book on the shelf. I mean, it's it's got this beautiful copper coppery brown uh, jacket, and it's it's a set on a beach. So it's a beautiful cover. Um, it's called Warlight, and it is about. Uh, so the story skips back and forth, and it's about twenty eight year old um, uh, um, Jack, who basically sorry, twenty eight year old uh, Nathaniel, who looks back at his time when he was a kid. His parents uh, had gone missing. Um, when he was about 14, so it's now been another 14 years since. And they uh, were, pro- were left with a guy called, a, a figure who, like a guest house called the Moth. And uh, they, he's a very interesting character and he has really interesting friends. So him, Nathaniel and his sister Rachel are left with the Moth while their parents are gone off and they disappear. They never come back. The mother, uh, turns out, is a double agent. She's actually a spy, which they uncover later. So, yeah, it's actually a really, really interesting spy novel. You'd, it's also a lot 
character-driven plot line, so you'd really like uh, the characters in the book. I mean, I enjoyed every single one of them. They were just so entertaining to me. And um, the way he structured the book in terms of going back and forth and Nathaniel recounting this time um, uh, when he was young and just being alone with the, with this guy uh, is quite interesting. So, you know, Michael Andashi, he won't let you down. So have a look. It's in the bookstores. Uh, it's called Warlight. And it's set in the post-World War II era 1945, in London. 1945, yes. So 1945 and, and then 20, uh, 14 years after that. Right. And then the next one is um, A Season of Glass by Rala Zanopoulos. Um, she has been doing quite a bit of media around this book. Um, I, when I first heard about it, I thought she, she has done a few books before and she's quite a lovely writer, quite a lovely person as well. I've had the pleasure of meeting her. Um, so this is a new f- work of fiction by her. Um, the book is very historical, but it has a slight magical the sort of fantasy element to it. It's about these sets, the set of twins, a boy and a girl that keeps, they are born through different uh, parts of time, um, usually to help humanity through difficult periods. So their purpose is to is to help us get through difficult periods. So they are born and reborn and reborn at different times. So the story will take you into a- ancient Ethiopia. You know, uh, it'll take you into um, Johannesburg in the 1970s. You know, it'll take you to various different times in various different parts of the world. Wonderfully, wonderfully constructed. Uh, you'd love the main characters. And um, yeah, that's A Season of Glass by Rala Zanopoulos. And she's a local author. She's a local author. Yeah, from, from Johannesburg, I think. Yeah, I think so she's even here. more reason to support yeah. our local authors. <laughs> Absolutely. Then, Day of the Dead by Nikki French. This is the eighth book. We've had seven books, one for every day of the week by Nikki French. This is the last book in the series. They're closing the series on this. Um, it's called Day of the Dead. And our main character in this book, uh, she's always had uh, one killer who's always evaded her. And he has this ability where he has this ability to disguise himself and change his voice in a way where he cannot be caught and uh, detected in the crowd so he is now back on her trail and he's coming after her so it's a really fast pace this is probably the in terms of all the seven books this is the one that is really personal to our main character because she's always tried to get him and he's in a way he's always tried to get kill her as well so um it's called day of the dead by nikki french it's the last book in the series and then from here i'm not sure where we're going with nikki french but i'm sure there's going to be some new stuff coming she can start the months of the year there we go (laughs) (laughs) that's a good idea actually so that's uh, that's a day of the dead by nikki french and then origin story non-fiction by David Christian um, incredible historian uh, if you've liked books by if you've liked um, Harari's book Sapiens you'd love this book um, you know if you like Guns and Steel uh, Guns, Germs and Steel you'd like this book so it's a 13.8 billion years of human history uh, major major turning points in history and uh, he writes in a really nice accessible style so it doesn't feel like a textbook it really is entertaining to read um, you should also check out he's got a TED talk called um, uh, a history of the world in 18 minutes which was incredible so that's origin story by David Christian and um, yeah another good nonfiction. Uh, uh, as soon as you saw, as, soon as, as soon as I saw that title on your list, I knew who he was. Yeah. He's famous for this concept of deep history, yes. which is what he's doing here. Yes. You know, the history of the world in eighteen minutes. You yes. know, yeah. so that's what he does. So it's yeah. the big sweep, yeah. the major major trends. Yes. So it's 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 very very interesting interesting yeah. stuff. Yeah. And he approaches history from so many different perspectives. Yes. It's not just history from a historian. He's looking at every so many different disciplines that bring to bear on history it's like a it's a, an intersection of so many different disciplines but yeah. with the historical perspective coming coming to the fore i think so yes absolutely and he also looks at present uh, day, current um, uh, time and where we're going from here as well which is also quite good and yeah. just to mention because you have mentioned yeah. sapiens by yuval noah harari mm. uh, yuval noah harari has a new book new coming out yep. in the beginning of september mm. called 21 lessons, lessons for the 21st century the so he's dealt with the past in sapiens <laughs> the future and homo deus and now this year he's going to be dealing with the present yes that's going to be also one of our biggest releases for the year. He's, he's, he's an event to publish. We're so happy to have him on our, on our list. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a great book. We, I have read um, Sapiens and Homo Deus. Um, so, you know, you kind of get a feel for where he's going to go with this one. But this one I felt was, was really, really good because there's so much you can relate to in this book. And you can kind of see, he makes you see the trend um, 
like what's happening now and you can see okay this is where it's going to evolve to and i can see why you know what i mean so um that's going to be really really good read and can you, you should get a hold of that that's if you're a big fan of him you should 21 it. lessons for the 21st, 21st century. century absolutely right and then the next one is um also african fiction uh, house of stone by nomvuyo uh, tsuma she is actually a zimbabwean she lived in south africa for a little bo- a little while uh, so this is her first real work of fiction um it's it's set in Zimbabwe just after the Rhodesia, the end of Rhodesia and into the new uh, Zimbabwe. So it's a very critical time politically for that country, um, and it's set in that time. Now the story is being told to us by Zama, who's a house guest, and um, the the son, the guy who owns the house, his son has now gone missing. Right, his name is Bukosi, and he's gone missing. Um, He—it's very mysterious. His disappearance is very is very mysterious, and his parents are trying to come to um, some sort of reason as to why he's gone missing because he was very political as well. So there's a whole aspect to uh, Bukosi and his backstory. So Zama's telling you the story, but what you'll find interesting is the character of Zami is the fact that he starts to almost take over the role of the sun in this in this book so yeah for a debut really good if you liked anything in it's relatable so it's african fiction so yeah wonderful new book by her uh, numvuyo tsuma it's called house of stone and i've posted a picture of her yeah. and a picture of the cover of the book on oh wonderful the facebook page <laughs> that's good and then forever and a day i just finished this one i really enjoyed it i was given this beautiful uh copy by one of our product managers nikki gave it to me and it's anthony horowitz he has done a bond book before this that was trigger mortis this is forever and a day it is the prequel to casino royale um it ha- the, a lot of the book was taken from Fleming's notes. So a lot of the stuff about where he wanted to do a book like this eventually. And a lot of the book is f- based on the notes that he had uh, at the time. So Anthony Horowitz really goes deep with the character of Bond. So if you ever wanted to know what makes Bond, why does he like his martini shaker not stirred? Where did that come from? The book has it. It'll tell you exactly. You actually live the story of it through the characters in the book. Um, you know, if you wanted to know why he's 007, I don't know if you know this, Stephen, but there was a time where there was another 007 before him and they'd killed him. So it's just post-World War. So it's set in that time. It's post-World War. Bond has just come off. He was a Navy. He was in the Navy and he is recruited by MI5. And uh, the previous 007 has been killed. So they say to him, look, we're going to give you a code. You've got a license to kill now. Um, we're going to give you 009. He says, no, I don't want 009. I want 007. Then they ask him why. And he says, well, it's a message that no matter how many of us they take out, we'll just keep popping back up like mushrooms. You know, So it was a message that he still kept his 007 status. And um, so, yeah, little things like that. And if you're a fan of the Bond series, if you're a fan of uh, you know, EF's, uh, Ian Fleming, I think that you should read this one just to get a bit more insight into the amazing character of James Bond. Right, and then the next one is House of Gold by Natasha Solomons. I don't know if you've got a copy I of this do, one. I do, I do. My wife's read it. Did she enjoy it? <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, so it's also, it's a, it's a family of very, very wealthy bankers. And uh, our main character, I just love the main character in this book. She's really, really an in- rebellious, interesting character to read about, you know. And she sort of breaks the social norms of what's accepted of her and, you know. Within her family. Expected, yeah, within her family, what's expected from her. Because uh, they want to set her up and she needs to get married, but she's on a whole new <laughs> self-discovery mission. This yeah. book's written by Natasha Solomon. Solomon. Yeah. She's a young writer. Mm. Uh, she's a Jewish writer from England. Yeah. Uh, she, I think this is her first book for Penguin Random House. I yes, think she is. was published by competing publisher we won't mention names on the air <laughs> and I think what makes this book very interesting for this book show is that Natasha Solomons has looked at the family of the mm. Rothschilds mm. for her inspiration for the story for the yeah. so if you are interested in the Rothschilds there is a two volume penguin book called The House of the Rothschilds by Niall Ferguson <laughs> but that's very dense reading yeah. he was given access to the family archives if you're interested in the in the in the Rothschilds I think in the in the pre and post World War pre and then w- World War Two and post World War Two era, it's easier to read a novel. Yes, uh, this is fictionalized story of the Rothschilds and marriage between fa- um, different you know re- cousins, different branches of the family. Yeah. and I think that's the story. I think it. I think that that this story will have a lot of resonance, especially with Jewish book clubs yeah. and people who just want to look beyond the veil into the way that the Rothschilds or similarly. 
uh, wealthy Jewish families lived in Europe mm. around World War II era. It is amazing. I mean, and, and the, the book, the structure of it, the writing was just impeccable. I mean, really beautiful writing. She Stunning is, she writing. Is, yeah. yeah, she is good. Yeah, yeah. It, is a little, it is a little literary, but it's not like really dense. You can really get through it. But it's, it's well, well written. That's Natasha Sullivan. I chose that book because I knew your, your listeners would probably like it. Um, and then I just now finished this one, just, just recently. Uh, the Last Watchman of Old Cairo by Michael David Lucas. He did a good book a while ago called The Oracle of Stamboul. Um, I'm a bit biased to books that I have a bit of sort of history in it you know, that it goes into ancient times. Something nice about that and you escape into that. But um, So the book follows three major threads. There's actually three different timelines we're dealing with here. But all these people are connected in a way. Um, so it's set in 1097 where this this little boy is he, hired by a Jewish uh, rabbi to to, um, to guard this temple in Egypt, in ancient Egypt. Um, so he's given this job uh, to do. And then the story goes, another thread of the story is our main character. It's in the, set in the 70s. And his father lives in Egypt. His mother is Jewish. His father's Muslim. So he's, he's mixed and he's grown up in the United States. And it's about him coming to terms with... Um, the fact that his father has now died, but when his father's died, he's, uh, before he died, he sent him this little trinket, and he wonders why he's been sent this. So he goes on this journey to discover why his father has sent him this little trinket. Um, so there's another thread that is connected to that, and that's of these two British uh, archaeologists, their sisters, their twins. Uh, it's now set in late 1900s, so like 1890 somewhere. Um, and they are in Egypt, and they have basically been there to to uncover a lot of the um, archaeology in this area. So the three threads go, and they're all connected, and it's really, really beautifully written. I mean, I was very moved at certain points with this book. So it's called The Old Watchman of um, the Last Watchman of Old Cairo by Michael David Lucas. That's with a K, L U K A S, and uh, he's a wonderful writer. I really enjoyed you really it. enjoyed it. Yeah, it's really good. Okay, I've got a copy at home, so I'll be getting that. To yeah, yeah, give very it a read. You, you won't go wrong. It's beautifully written. Okay, this is a long list of books. A lot of them available already. And there's a big mix of everything there, local, yes. international, fiction, non-fiction, <laughs> literary, commercial. Yeah. It's a well-curated <laughs> list that Viz has brought in. Yep. Every, it, the list has already been posted on Facebook. While yep. he was speaking, I was just making sure that I had all the right pictures, yes. <laughs> the covers of all the books. So it's go to People of the Book on 101.9 Chai FM. On our, if, well, go to Facebook, search for People of the Book on 101.9 Chai FM. And the full list of books that Viz has mentioned are all there. Like it and then repost it to all your friends. Let's try and make our Facebook page the meeting place for people who love reading. Uh, let's boost the numbers. And uh, Viz, thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, just on that list, when you said to me the other night, you said just go crazy with the list and give, you know get, go as wide as you can. I said, okay, great. So I spread it out as far as I can. That's a great list. And um, you've got a nice list and yeah. lots of good books to come. This is yeah, and you'll be back in the studio sometime soon with an, yeah. an extended you know extension of good books to read from I'm the sure. Penguin Random House table. Sure. Thank you so much, Stephen. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers. Uh, a number of uh, very important announcements that I want to make just in terms of where People of the Book is, what People of the Book is going to be doing the next few weeks. Uh, um, I reviewed a book called The Star of the North a few weeks ago by D. David B. John. It was a story. It's a, it's a great thriller set in North Korea. I managed to get an interview with, with David John, and uh, that will play next week. Uh, also... I'm going to be interviewing an, the author of Ramaphosa's Turn. It's a book that uh, is very, very current, South African current affairs. The, the book is out in the shops. And uh, what's going to happen is next week the author, Ralph Mathekra, Mathekra will be in the studio and he will – tell us some of his ideas that are in the book really great you know really great insight into the South African political situation and we'll get from him live in the studio exactly what he thinks South Africa is in turn for or just the variables that go into what's happening in South Africa also the uh, two book two two more interviews that I'm looking forward to one is the book the elephant whisperer uh, has a bit of a sequel 
Um, the author did die a few years ago, but his widow has written An Elephant in My Kitchen. And I hope to have an interview around that book with the author uh, sometime in August. And then I mentioned a while ago, uh, the I've, I've been mentioning over the last few years, each for the last two years, um, books written by Sherry Lapina who writes these great domestic thrillers. And she has a new book coming out this year, and I've got an opportunity to interview Sherry about her latest book. And so that's going to be coming up in the next few weeks as well. So lots of exciting developments here on People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. We are – we never – we never – rest on our laurels we never take for granted that the next show is just going to roll around we work very hard to make sure that we bring you the best titles and the best interviews and keep you informed about what's happening in the book industry who's winning prizes and what great books are coming out now for the rest of my show i've got about 15 to 20 minutes left i've chosen a theme uh which was very easy to find five books in this one theme that I think is very important that we discuss this specific theme, and that's medicine and doctors and nurses, all things medical. And during the course of the first half of this year, I've built up a collection of books that all relate to the world of medicine, and I've been waiting for the opportunity to discuss them all. And now that they've all been released, it's the perfect opportunity to do a medical slant on people of the book on 101.9 Chai FM. So as soon as we're back from this ad break, we're going to jump into hospitals, into doctors, into nurses, and into the complexity of the medical world from a book perspective. People of the book on 101.9 High FM. People of the book on 101.9 High FM. And as I said just before the ad break, we're doing medical books. And uh, medicine involves doctors, and it involves doctors in a number of different positions. Uh, sometimes doctors treat, take care of us, and sometimes they need to be cared for as well. So we're looking at five books. Um, I haven't posted the books on face on our Facebook page yet, but during the course of today and over the weekend, I'll add this post to the Facebook page, and you can go on and find the names of these books. The first book that I'm going to look at is called the Neuroscientist Who Lost Her Mind. The neuroscientist in question, her name is Barbara K. Lipska. It's a memoir of madness and recovery. And what I want to do is I want to re- read from her introduction why she wrote this book. So this is in the words of Barbara Lipska. I'm a neurologist. For my entire career, I have studied mental illness, first in my homeland of Poland and then since 1989 in the United States at the National Institute of Mental Health a division of the National Institutes of Health in Bethesda, Maryland. My speciality is schizophrenia, a devastating disease whose victims often have difficulty discerning what is real and what is not. In 2015, in June 2015, without warning, my own mind took a strange and frightening turn. As a result of metastatic melanoma in my brain, I began a descent into mental illness that lasted about two months, a bizarre tailspin that I couldn't recognize at the time. I emerged from that dark place through a combination of luck, groundbreaking scientific advances, and the vigilance and support of my family. I'm a rare case. I lived through a terrifying dive into brain cancer and mental illness and emerged on the other side to describe what had happened to me. According to psychiatrists and neurologists, medical doctors who specialize in the brain and nervous system, it's highly unusual for someone with such serious brain malfunction to be successfully treated and return from the shadowy world of mental impairment. Most people with as many brain tumors as I had and the serious impairments they caused simply don't get better. This is from the introduction to The Neurologist Who Lost Her Mind, a memoir of madness and recovery by Barbara K. Lipska, and she's discussing her experiences. While we don't know exactly what took place in my brain or where precisely it happened, my journey has given me an invaluable opportunity to tour the landscape of the brain. As a result, I've come to better understand this breathtakingly complex structure 
and its incredibly and its incredibly resilient product, the human mind. After I emerged from that dark space and I was given a second chance at sanity, I wanted to explore as a neuroscientist what went wrong in my brain. This book is an account of what mental illness looks like from the inside, but it's also a map of my evolution as a scientist and a person. It is the story of an incredible journey, from one from which I could not have imagined I would ever return. It is a story that I never thought I would be able to tell, of how I went from being a scientist studying mental disorders to being a mental patient myself, and how remarkably I came back. That's the neurologist, the neuroscientist who lost her mind by Barbara K. Lipskitz, published by Bantam Press, and it is available right now. Now, in a similar vein, I've got another book by a doctor who also became a patient. The book's called In Shock, and it's by Dr. Rana Audish. From doctor to patient, what I learned about medicines in humanity. An intensive care doctor becomes the patient in this compelling memoir of life-threatening illness and unbearable loss. At seven months pregnant, Dr. Rana Aldish suffered a catastrophic medical event, hemorrhaging nearly all of her blood volume and losing her unborn first child. She spent months fighting for her life in her own hospital, enduring multiple major surgeries and a series of organ failures. Every step of the way, Aldish was faced with something even more unexpected and shocking than her battle to survive. Her fellow doctor's apparent indifference to human loss and disregard for anguish and suffering, the result of a self-protective barrier hardwired into all medical training. In her book, In Shock, Aldish's searing account of her extraordinary journey from doctor to patient, she's both shatteringly personal yet totally universal. It's both a brave roadmap for anyone navigating illness and a call to arms for doctors to see each patient not as a diagnosis but as a human being. It's a very powerful read. It's a doctor who ends up being a patient and she is literally in shock of the type of care that doctors give their patients. So these are two books where we have doctors or medical researchers experiencing the life of a patient, either through ins- you know, insan- uh, madness or being a patient in your own, you know, a doctor being a patient in, uh, in, uh, in her own hospital. The next book we're going to look at, the, the one novel amongst the five medical books, is the new Lisa Genova. Lisa Genova is a very famous author. Her books have sold over 2 million copies worldwide. She wrote the book Still Alice, which was made into the film starring Julianne Moore uh, and Kristen Stewart. won an Academy Award, a Golden Globe. Her Another book that she wrote, Inside the O'Briens, is also in film adaptation stage at the moment. It will star Russell Crowe and Nicole Kidman. Lisa Genova holds a PhD in neuroscience from Harvard University. She writes novels. She applies her knowledge and the latest research in different neurological conditions to novels, and she makes these different conditions more real. The new book that she's written is called Every Note Played. It's published by Ellen and Unwin, and it is also available at the moment. The story of Every Note Played is the story of Richard. He's an accomplished concert pianist. He has already suffered many losses in his life. The acrimonious divorce from his ex-wife, Karina, the estrangement of his daughter, Grace, and now a devastating diagnosis, ALS. The relentlessly progressive paralysis of ALS begins in the cruelest way possible, in the concert pianist Richard's hands. As Richard becomes more and more locked inside his body and can no longer play piano or live on his own, Karina, his ex-wife, steps in as his reluctant caregiver. Paralyzed in a different way, Karina is trapped within a prison of excuses and blame, stuck in an unfulfilling life, as an after-school piano teacher, 
afraid to pursue the path she abandoned as a jazz musician as a young woman. As Richard's muscles, voice and breath fade, the two, Richard and his ex-wife Karina, struggle to reconcile their past before it's too late. These books that Lisa Genova's written, Still Alice, she also looked at um, um, Left Neglect, her her second book was Left Neglect in them. The, each book that she writes looks at a different medical condition that affects the brain. Obviously, Lisa Genova, being a neuroscientist, is able to bring the latest research and medical understanding of each of these conditions to the pages of her novels, which make them so compelling. And she personalizes the theory of, say, Parkinson's or here ALS into a story where you, the reader, can see what it's like for a person or for a family to have one of these medical conditions. Now, from novels, we're going to take an ad break, and we'll be back with the last two medical-themed books for the show straight after this break. People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. This is People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. We're looking at medical-themed books. We've looked at three already uh, the Neuroscientist Who Lost Her Mind by Barbara K. Lipska, published by Bantam Press. In Shock by Dr. Raina Aldish, that's published by Bantam Press. Then a novel, the stunning new novel from Lisa Genova, the best-selling author of Still Alice. The book's called Every Note Played, and in this book she's looking at the condition ALS and how it affects people when their paralysis starts to set in. The next book, we're now going to go to the nursing part of medicine. And the book is called The Language of Kindness and it's written by Christy Watson, published by Chatter and Windus. The Language of Kindness thoroughly, will thoroughly resuscitate your faith in books about nurses. Christy Watson spent 20 years working as a nurse before changing career into becoming a writer. She is the winner of the Costa First Novel Award. She currently teaches creative writing. And her new book, The Language of Kindness, darts around chapter to chapter from her first days as a student nurse to her final day as a very senior one, flitting backwards and forwards in time and through specialities, immersing us in, in her world. In, in, in her introduction, she tells us that she started her career thinking of nursing as a combination of chemistry, biology, physics, pharmacology, and anatomy. But she now realizes that it's actually much more about philosophy, psychology, art, ethics, and politics. This is an argument she explores throughout the book with a series of stories and anecdotes that evoke the experience of being in a hospital. She writes, I think of Hogarth's portrayal of London in Gin Lane. She's, when she talks about an inner city A&E waiting area, the poverty is palpable. There are drunk mothers and skeletal fathers. The room smells of body odor and of the metal of old blood. If you've been in trauma casualty rooms, you'll recognize that. This is not a story of a high-octane career in a pioneering surgical field. There's no neuroscientists over here. And it's not a memoir filled with blockbusting anecdotes. Instead, it's a gentle, remarkable book about what it means to be a nurse, what it means to care. It struck me again and again how little we hear from nurses while I was reading the book, how quiet their voices are, how poorly represented they are on our bookshelves. All this despite the crucial role they inevitably play in our lives and those of our families. Also struck me how poorly we understand what role being a nurse truly is. It's a privilege to have Watson as our guide, walking us through the corridors into the cubicles and the occasional operating theater, watching a pediatric heart-lung transplant as a student. She described the child's body horrifically and also wonderfully as a dugout canoe. The patient, Aaron, makes it through the treacherous procedure, and Watson helps nurse him through a long recovery. With the trademark humanity, she sits with him and helps him write a letter to the mother of the boy who died, giving him his heart and an adulthood. This is what he writes. Did your son like strawberry ice cream? It's not fair that your son died so I can live. The book, The Language of Kindness, is shot through with love, not just the love she has for her patients, but also for her colleagues and for her former profession. 
being a nurse. It's also, by the very nature of the job, filled with a great deal of sadness. This is The Language of Kindness. It's a memoir written by a very, very um, erudite nurse about what it's like to be working as a nurse in a hospital. And the last book, which we won't have enough time to really give it true justice, is called Also Human, The Inner Lives of Doctors by Caroline Elton. While other books involve doctors writing about their patients, in this book, the mirror is reversed. Doctors come to see Caroline Elton, a psychologist, and she's writing about them. She says, I have seen how medical training often fails to acknowledge that doctors are people too. This is a book written by a psychologist who's been dealing with doctors and debriefing them or helping them through extreme stress and the desire that sometimes comes up in doctors that why did I choose medicine? I actually would have preferred, now that I know what it's all about, to have done something totally different. This is Also Human by Caroline Hilton, published by William Hahnemann. It's all about the pressure that doctors are under and how difficult it is for them to continue working as doctors. Doctors are more prone to mental health problems, it turns out, than than any other profession. Their working conditions are more stressful and punishing than anything the rest of us have to deal with in a day at the office. When a junior doctor walked into the sea and drowned in 2016 in the UK, her parents wrote, long hours, work-related anxiety and despair at her future in medicine were definite contributors to this awful and final decision. Caroline Elton is an occupational psychologist who has worked with medics for more than 20 years. She now runs a private practice offering career coaching and psychotherapeutic support to doctors. Her manner is self-effacing and unassuming, but she is uniquely qualified to comment, having been employed by the NHS, that's in the UK, for the first 10 years of her career to observe hospital consultants in action as part of a project to make them more effective in their roles as doctors. And she's taken all of that life experience and she's put it into this book called Also Human, The Inner Lives of Doctors. The system is failing our doctors. It's time that we started listening. I'm going to post all these books on our Facebook page uh, by Sunday. They'll all be there. And if you've listened to part of the show or just part of this part of the show about the medicine books, the medical books, you want to find out more about them. They'll all be posted. If you want to take a screenshot and send it on to a friend of yours who's a doctor, because you think that they need to work on their bedside manner, feel free to do that. Because we just want to bring knowledge of these books to a wider reading audience and a wider high FM listening audience. And for me, it's been a full show. Next week, we have a lot of exciting things happening again. As I've mentioned, interview with uh, the author of a thriller city North Korea and an interview with the political analyst here from South Africa. We'll be moving the agenda forward and trying to set headlines from the books that we are reviewing. Until next week, good Shabbos and keep reading.